H.W. <laughs> no. Oil Man. I drink your milkshake. I bought many welds and many mics. Brasted in a basket. If I have a mic, and you have a mic, and Mike, Mike reaches across the pod room and starts to drink your mic. I bought your mic. That's right. I mic it up. Do you have arthritis? Get out. <laughs> Get out. Get out. Get out and don't come back. Hey, folks. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. Hope, you, hope you've already seen that movie. Everyone. <laughs> it's all ruined. I mean, those are just nothing statements. A pop culture podcast here with a new Paul Thomas Anderson review. Not film. This movie is 13 years old, folks. Um, but we're talking about it for the first time here. Mm-hmm. Doing a little bit of a PTA watch through. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. We're almost completionists in the Wabam canon with uh mr pta here and this is a big one there will be blood yeah i'll say um hadn't seen this one i'll be honest I okay was, I hell was, yes i'm I, excited to hear i was thoughts. i was in a no country for old men family not a there will be blood family so Oof. that is a good transition to one of the things i want to talk about before we actually talk about the movie itself um is we should that, introduce ourselves i'm yeah, earnest okay. well that before we do that for I hunter mobley i'm drew deetson i am hunter <laughs> So before we get into this movie itself, I wanted to talk about the 2008 Oscars on the 2007 film season. Um, One of the most fascinating things that I've been doing on this Oscar watch through thing that I'm doing is trying to dig up old stories and headlines from places like New York Times to Variety, kind of stuff like that, things that have been around for a while. And it's funny because... Over the years, there's always these kind of setups of these dichotomies is that you're either this movie person or you're this movie person. And you, have to, you have to hate this other movie. Yeah. And the thing is that a lot of times it's stupid, like La La Land and Moonlight. Both of them are amazing movies. Wildly like, different. No so. Country for Old Men and There Will Be Blood. Both of them are masterpieces and perfect movies in their own right. A lot of other times they're very stupid, like you're either a shape of water guy or you're a three billboards guy. And it's like, actually maybe both movies are just kind of whatever or bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll go shape of water um, 20 times out of 10 on that one. But it is kind of funny. And oftentimes there is a third movie or a fourth movie down the list that just gets completely forgotten about to the sands of times. That's Michael Clayton. And that's you. the Michael Clayton. Of this. <laughs> There's like a Michael Clayton every year that every, every year you see it and you're like, that was a really, really good movie. It's not going to win Best Picture, though. But even outside of the of the Best Picture nominees, 07 was just an incredible year for movies. Yeah. And Ratatouille came out that year. Mm-hmm. Bad came out that year. So you have like movies that like the prestige. But when you talk about kind of the both the prestige side and the uh, more like niche side Juno was nominated for best picture that year, Mm -hmm, which is kind of incredible. I mean, Diablo Cody, I think one or it original screenplay. Did she win that for that? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I fucking love Juno. Um, I love that movie. There's even, I mean, uh, you mentioned Ratatouille. 
that side. Um, 310 to Yuma came out the year. Atonement, which was Sorsha Ronan's breakout in which she got her first of five nominations now, four Crazy. nominations at this point. Um, we were talking about uh, Jim Carrey earlier, the number 23. That was... Oh, I thought you were talking about Oscar movies still. I was like, no. wait, what? His <laughs> <laughs> 23rd you Oscar. Don't, you don't remember when Jim Carrey upset Daniel Day-Lewis at the Oscars for the number 23? Uh, Sunshine came out that year. The first Transformers movie. Oh. A movie that I quote myself I've here. become so numb. No, no, that was... um. Oh. <laughs> what I've done. Um... I'm just, a couple more movies across the universe came out the year. A movie I have a yeah, lot of affinity for movie. Sweeney Todd, a movie that I adore the mist. Have you guys ever seen the mist? Never seen the mist. No. The mist is fucking great. That movie rocks super hard. Yeah. Great, great movie year. The assassination of Jesse James is the real forgotten child of that year. Still haven't seen it. It's on HBO Max, though. So I want to I want to get on that. Yeah. Hey, Zodiac. You mentioned Zodiac. Zodiac. Yeah. Zodiac. Zodiac yeah, completely looked past by the Oscars that year. Phenomenal there was like, movie. <laughs> yeah, Oscars. One of the best Fincher joints that he ever made. The Oscars are really good at just staying completely irrelevant in my mind. You know, I mean, the fact that there will be blood didn't win best you picture. Don't, you aren't. Well, I thought, Drew, I thought you just said that you were adding the English patient to your to your watch list. I'm adding it to my watched a million times list. More like if it's going to lose to anything, I'm glad it lost to no country. No country is no country a worthy. Rules. Yeah, it rules. Um, it's kind of hard because I, I gave both of these movies five stars on Letterboxd. So it's really kind of picking nits here. But I think that the difference is that. No Country for Old Men is a masterpiece like that is near flawless. And uh, There Will Be Blood is arguably the best film of the 21st century. I'd put it just below Children of Men. The I mean, the sands of my number time two. have been in favor of There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Like it's not uh, the general consensus now is that that is the movie from that year. Like that is the movie. Uh, and deservedly so, as it turns out, I think it might actually be my favorite PTA movie, too. I know the master is like, well, okay. a whole nother beast that we might tackle. Well, we were talking about this off mic that I think that there will be blood is the best PTA movie. I think that that is the best, most complete movie that he's ever made. I flip back and forth between this and the master for which one is my favorite. But if I'm just giving it like what is the most flawless like frozen and amber version of a pta movie then i would show somebody there will be blood yeah it's it's a brilliant movie it's daniel day lewis um acting his little bum off oh, in every single scene he's on so camera good. essentially all of the time in this movie um alongside I, paul dano for a good portion of it so you'd think that daniel day lewis and Paul Thomas Anderson would be in their own stratosphere. Just the two of them creating this singular piece of work. And, you know, now post there will be blood. We know that like um, with Phantom Thread, um, what's her name? Is it Vicky Cripps? Cripps. The, yeah. Yeah. That she can join those ranks. But before then. It was Paul Dano mm -hmm. who actually proved that 
you can you can go toe to toe with this man. Yeah, he and plays, it is unbelievable. He plays a sort of foil to Daniel Day Lewis's character, who is uh, unbelievably ambitious uh, oil prospector who enters a small town and you know attempts to extract their oil. Um, Paul Dano plays a well, I mean, two characters. Spoiler alert. Um, initially, he was only supposed to play the first character. Mm-hmm. He was not going to play Paul Sunday. Wow. Did you find this? Yeah, yeah. This the, is unreal to me. So I we'll we'll get into spoilers fairly early in this pod. But before we do, I did want to say that I was curious what you thought about watching it for your first time because I think I saw this movie for the first time in high school. Mm-hmm. Um. I remember, I remember the, uh, I mean, this came out right before we were in high school, but I remember the milkshake scene, like the ending being like a little bit of a viral thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like people were just clipping that scene. Like the early, early memes. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing about this movie is that it's really funny. Mm. And that's the thing that I feel like it's people PTA. people don't understand that about PTA. People see PTA and they think this is a capital F filmmaker. This is a guy who makes prestige movies. And a lot of times this stuff is set uh, with some kind of a period piece element with very elaborate set designs and costume designs and people are like i can't laugh at this this is serious but there is so much fun to be had in every single pta movie Mm -hmm. including Um, this one and so i was gonna say that so yeah this movie it's so enjoyable i i i like i saw it whenever i was a high school i was like this is one of the best movies i've ever seen but i'm not ready for it Mm -hmm. like i was my brain was not developed enough to really understand stuff and the Paul Dano thing was actually confusing for me the first time that I saw it. It was like the to the brothers. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I was just like I and I think that that's intentional to a certain extent that you're like, are they twins or is this the same person? Oh, I could have sworn that they were the same person the whole movie. Well, I mean, the, the storytelling approach in this movie, this isn't true for all PTA movies, but I think it's true for at least this. The master inherent vice. Um Maybe Magnolia, but not as much. But it's he doesn't like to overexplain himself. He likes to keep things at uh, like an arm's length yeah. away, and he he wants you to to make the work to meet him at least halfway with his storytelling. And things like this can can fall through the cracks a little bit. I mean, there's moments in this movie. I've seen this movie like maybe three times now. And there's moments where I still don't really know what's going on, Mm -hmm. especially in the middle chunk there. Well, that that thing specifically, which was it was a point of confusion for me, but I I was really enjoying the read that I had until it eventually it's fully, you know, there's no way avoiding that. It is two different brothers. But this switch and casting was made four days before shooting started. That's unbelievable. Yeah, they they essentially not know that the original actor playing Paul, who has a much larger part than who Paul Dano was going to play. Yeah. Um, he his name was Kel O'Neill. Really bad beat for this guy. Um, essentially they kind of just got him in the room with Daniel day and they were like, no way. Like it's it's simply not happening. He has to, he has to match at the very least. He has to match the commitment. He can't maybe, you know, it's hard to match the performance level, but he has to be so 
like at 100 committed all time. Well, I mean, when they cast Paul Dano in this, this is before he did anything. Little Miss Sunshine came out the year before, but this was, I mean, while they were shooting and casting this movie, it was before Little Miss Sunshine yeah, came he was, out. He was supposed to have it. just a single scene in the movie. And then he ends up being the second biggest character in it and carrying his weight like a motherfucker, like you said, Ernie. Like he really does uh, he, carry the fuck out of yeah. it. He goes toe and to toe, dude. Generally speaking, I think like I'm figuring out this is kind of my favorite thing about PTA in general is he it's kind of the ideal director brain where he does the freaky compulsive uh, level of like years of research mm -hmm. where he you know he pulled uh, quotes from like all over he pulled quotes from like courtroom transcripts he uh he was sending like all the clips that he can find of like period and geography specific audio of people speaking to daniel day lewis like a year in advance so daniel day could work on his character he does all of that he does all of the hard work but also he is so not afraid to change everything on the fly like because as a director that's how it goes like you can pre-prepare all you want but you have to change a lot in the moment uh, just based on how things are going because another thing he did with his movie is a lot of scenes he would just shoot uh, in like three or four different locations just to do it just to, so in the edit they could be like oh i kind of like it better in this room like, like the same yeah. dialogue yeah the exact just same scene just in difference in wow. places yeah he just like he's the perfect combination of preparedness but then also he doesn't get so married to his own ideas because sometimes that's not the right call in the moment. So that that actually brings up something else that I wanted to bring up. The uh, cinematographer for this movie. Um, hold on, wait, I just had his name and I just uh, went off of it for a second. He's a longtime collaborator. Oh, it's Elswood. Thomas Anderson, uh, Robert Elswood. Um, he won Best Cinematography over... Um, over Roger Deakins for No Country for Old Men, one of the very few categories that it beat No Country for in the Oscars. Yeah. I was thinking to myself while watching this movie on this watch through that I've probably seen this movie like five or six times at this point. Um, is was not not to take anything away from this way this movie looks because it might be the most beautiful movie ever made. But I was thinking about if. Elsewhat necessarily deserved all the credit for this Oscar over PTA himself because PTA pretty much shot Phantom Thread for himself by yeah, himself. And Phantom Thread no, uh, kind DP. of looks exactly the same. Well, like they, it has the same kind of look because PTA is a director who like he dictates the shots that you are taking. That's an like he is a very thought. Yeah, hands on well, director no, it's, that way. Yeah, the answer is no. Then that's another reason why these awards don't matter at all. Well, I mean, it's still. I, I think of the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but he's he collaborated. Look, if you look at his at his creds, he also did Punch Drunk Love. He also did Magnolia and Boogie Nights. You're talking about Elswit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. No, he's telling he you what PTA. movies Paul Thomas Anderson has made. <laughs> no, he was the PT. He was PTA's guy. Right. For like years and years. So I mean, the look, the look is one in the same. Yeah. No, no, I'm, not, just, I'm not taking anything. It's just more. It's just him, more silliness that this movie didn't get more recognition. If you're going to give. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's Yo, more so. That's more so my shot, point is that PTA deserved even I don't understand how PTA lost the Oscar. He also shot Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation. Yeah. Um, two beautiful looking movies. So sure. this man Elswit was hanging off the side of the Dubai Tower with Tom Cruise. Uh, yeah. Um, Shooter's going to shoot. So I think that the thing about PTA that I truly love that we've been and I've loved going through this whole PTA 
He also shot Fiend King of Staten Island. But we're not gonna talk about that. He shot a lot of kind of duds too. Is the thing yeah. he shot some movies that are like oh yeah some, okay well, sometimes um, a movie uh like a movie like that will take two months to shoot. You need a guy to and it'll make you record. just as much as Mission Impossible. Does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's called a check. Um. So the thing about PTA films, like the through line between all of his movies is that Paul Thomas Anderson is obsessed with broken and twisted relationships that people have with each other. Mm-hmm. That is the one thing I have not seen Inherent Vice yet. So I don't know if that through we'll line goes through there as well. But I mean, if you look at everything from Heart Eight until Phantom Thread, it is about two people who have such a fucked up relationship with each other that has this. They can either be like Toxic. a relationship of love, or it can be this competitive relationship. But either way, you see it, and it is utterly toxic. Yeah, he's he's obsessed with the folly of man. He figures something out in Phantom Thread, though, where the toxicity evolves. Yeah. Well, and I it mean, becomes beautiful. It becomes in a sustainable. Way, in a way, to- <laughs> I mean, Phantom Thread, if we're comparing the relationship of that, the relationship in that movie to any other movie, it's to punch drunk love. Mm-hmm. Just because it's kind of like. It's, it's meant to be. Yeah, it's it's like a, it, it's a destiny sort of toxic relationship. Yeah. Um. So how does how does he do it? I, I just kept watching this movie and I was like, how? Yeah, he's a genius. He's a freak of nature. Um, this is a movie it's, it's over two and a half hours and it is, you know, very dedicated to being period accurate. Um, it's a very sweaty movie, you know, it's set in the old yeah. West. Yeah. Drew, you want to talk about your time yeah. of watching this movie? Couldn't really, couldn't have had a better viewing experience. Um, my AC in my house has been out for about three days now. And Dude, I had the same problem. I yeah. just got it fixed. So I watched this movie from like noon to three, just about <laughs> with, with my roommate. We were literally just sitting on the couch, just sweating. Oily. Yeah. I was like shirtless, just still like sweating, <laughs> like soaking the couch. Uh, and in just about every shot, people are sweating in this movie. Mm-hmm. It really, it, you know, I actually think that I kind of understand this a little better than you guys do. Maybe. <laughs> well, so I, I wrote something down in my notes all the way at the bottom. Cause I, I was just writing notes on like every scene because it was just blowing my mind. But the symbolism of the, the liquid in this movie, the blood, mm-hmm. the water and the oil, mm-hmm. like there is something there about oh, like the, course. what, how these liquids like give meaning and life a lot of characters a lot of shots where you very intentionally cannot tell whether liquid is blood or oil yeah yeah that happens quite and now and now you bring it up sweat too Mm -hmm. because you have to like when you're obsessed with something it it, you're exerting you're working yeah and that's another thing that pta likes to focus on is success and the price that it costs and the price of being obsessed with something he's very into obsession yeah, I mean, the blood in the water versus the oil itself is kind of the main theme that I think this movie has is kind of we still haven't really described this movie at all. <laughs> it's about an oil man and uh, I'm an oil man. One. That's I've pretty much wells. all that you really need to know going into it. And on the surface, it's a pretty simple plot to pitch, which is kind of usually the best stories. Um, but it's kind of showcasing the shifting in uh everybody's mental viewpoint on the world from 19th century that valued agrarian life farming and faith 
in which the local pastor was kind of the king of the land. That was who you went to for guidance to 20th century America, which was all industrialized and became all about oil and wealth. And the true version of what we now know, the American dream and all of the toxicity surrounding that yeah, to it's, mean, it's like the birth of it. It's yeah, it's it's really about what capitalism does to not only to one man, but to the country itself. Yeah. And also uh, that's not to say that it, it paints one side in a purely positive light because Paul Dano is as a uh, Paul. Wait, no, he's Eli. No, Eli. yeah. He's Eli, Eli. Sunday. Yeah. So Eli Sunday is not a good guy. No, no, no he's awful. No, no, no. not at all. He's awful. And they, they are essentially foils to each other. Uh, one of them it wears his intentions more on his sleeve than the other, but uh, they hate each other because they can see exactly what each other are. They just, they're different sides of that coin where Eli is an actor in the same way that uh, Daniel day has to be in order to sell like his entire deal. He's coming into a town saying, I'm going to do, I'm going to fuck everything up. Like this whole town is going to be a different town and you just have to trust me that it's going to be better. Uh, in the same way, Eli is like curing people of diseases in this church because yeah. that's just how churches were back then. Uh, so it's God, that scene is so good. Yeah, it rocks. He that's oh. just the, that is the best segment of the entire movie is we'll get into that whole scene itself because I don't want to spoil anything before About, uh, we get to the bumper. But of what happens right before that, that leads to the oil spurting up. Oh. And then leading straight into the church sequence is just perfect. It's so, yeah. absolute perfect. So this is essentially like a flawless movie. It's oh, like it's, it's about so as good as movies good. get. Um, I, I was originally saying that it 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 could come across as very dry. It could come across as, you know, something that you really have to be in a certain mood to watch because yeah. it is so long. And so, you know, Daniel Day is a very serious, like method style actor. You might see that and be like, okay, this is going to be like a drudge to get through. Yeah. And it's I, not, I, I, I will say like in the middle there, it there's like a maybe 20 minute stretch where it does get a little bit yeah. too opaque there are but, yeah, in a lot of PTA movies, there's maybe like 10 minutes here and there that could, could go. But uh, I think the momentum is kept really well in this movie for the most part, um, because we're dealing with Daniel Plainview in every scene, basically. Yeah. So it has to be kept via the constantly changing nature of his relationships with whoever else is on screen. That's the only way to keep us interested is things have to be changing around him. So that can be with his son. Uh, H.W. Yeah, very, you know, that 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 little boy, he's very early 1900s looking. I So I was going to ask you guys, um, the kid who plays H.W., is he bad? No, no. He, I mean, so well, I mean, with, with kids like you have to the credit has to go to the director. So he, that's the that's kind of where I fell is that I think that he is perfect for this movie with his like very wide super fucking wide eyes and how quiet he is and how he doesn't really say anything just kind of stands sits stands or sits at the side Dylan of his father free freeze you. yeah hunter did you get the story of how this kid got cast no it's unbelievable it's uh the casting director was in this small town in texas that they shot in and also that no country was shooting it at the same yeah time. they were like in, like um, within the same yeah. general radius. So the casting director is just driving around and he gets pulled over by a cop 
and he, you know, they get to talking about the movie and the cops like, oh, you should cast my son in your movie. And it's this kid. <laughs> He's a cop's son. Yeah. So, and it, yeah, it was the mom of this kid. And so this, uh, the mom, like, you know, they, he ends up meeting the kid and he's like, man, I really want to cast this kid. Actually, she was right. Like this. this wait, kid. no. So wait, who pulled over who? The cop pulled over the person. Oh, okay. The casting it. director did not pull over the cop. Okay. <laughs> um, it's like citizen's so, arrest on well, you, so sir. She, she convinces him like, oh, you got to meet my kid. Like he's, he's going to be perfect for your little movie. And uh, but then he's like, OK, I want to cast your kid. But she's like, yeah, but like, I mean, I don't even know who this like star is that he's going to be spending so much time with. Like, who's Daniel Day Lewis? So this is this is like the most unbelievable shit. Uh, so they rush her like express rush her a copy of Gangs of New York <laughs> to show what like he's been in to show like, oh, he's a great actor. But she watches that movie and she's like, mm, he's like foul mouthed. He's like a bad guy. Yeah, he's actually I don't want my kids spending time with this guy. So then they have to rush her a copy of Age of Innocence to show him being hey. like a, to show him being like a yeah. good, you know, educated man. And then she's like, oh, actually, he's a good guy. <laughs> Like what a man. What listen, a, I would have been incredible. like, this is the same person. Yeah. Like it was just like very, very enterprising mother to like get her kid in there. But so stupid. I was hoping <laughs> like she watches the movie. She's like, he's bad. And now he's good. Like I was hoping, she doesn't understand acting. I was movie. hoping that uh, they would just be like, take him to the set where at that point, Daniel Day Lewis has already gone full methane. He's just like, here you go. Boy. Bastard in a You're basket. A bastard in a basket. Ocean. I, um, build a pipe. I shot because I uh, I shot this movie on ketchup like a couple months ago. Whenever I last rewatched it, um, do you just want to give one more negative shout out to the um, the piece written by the Guardian about the negative there will be blood piece that was written uh, in April of this year? Um, and which one of the lines of it is? <laughs> I remember. Look, this. here's the thing: you can we like there will this. be blood. You cannot like this. There will be blood. That's okay. I understand because this is not a movie for everybody. There is no dialogue for 15 minutes of this film. The first 15 um, minutes. But there is a line in this piece that I do think about all the time. That uh, is just like men try to get me to watch there will be blood with them you might say it's left me with ptad mm. and i think about ptad more often than i should and it <laughs> makes me want to punch myself in the face that sucks that's a bad line um the movie itself you know it does fall into that camp of things that are like like guys love you know yeah. sort of like breaking bad style like you know because you guys like like to feel that pressure cooker yeah. Of like, oh god. There's no I mean, there's no prominent female character. Yeah, it's just like, movie. oh, you gotta work hard hey, and, and you know kill I people. I think the girl who plays Mary Sunday is quite good. Oh my god. She look, disrespectful barely to women a character. In general. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, shout out to Colleen Foy. I thought I think that she is very good in this. But this movie. this has to be a male story because this is a story about like just horrible people. Mm. You know, like adding adding a female energy would kind of like in most cases, I mean, we've talked about like PTA's inability to write good female characters. I, I don't think he truly figures it out until and I guess Amy Adams is OK, but I, really I until like until Phantom Thread. But he he doesn't bother with it in this one. And this is a story about like just male energy embodying everything that's wrong about humanity yeah it's it's pure evil yeah so much evil and so much of the devil is in this movie dude there's a shot i think it's when the fucking well is burning 
and he's standing next to um, our guy uh, Steppenwolf from uh, <laughs> Justice League 2017, uh, Sirian Hines, and Steppenwolf. The camera just kind of zooms in on DDL, and he's covered in oil, yeah. completely shrouded in shadow behind him with like the flame sort of flickering in front of his face. And he just looks like the devil. Essentially. He looks like a demon. Yeah. He's, he's fully, he's watching something that's like not good and he is happy. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Oh, I have so many thoughts on that whole sequence. Okay. We'll have to get yeah, into that. It's unreal. Let's, let's just well, let's oh, just get into it. So uh, to continue that thought, though, like that's how it keeps momentum is because we're dealing with his shifting relationship. So it'll be his son. There's a lot going on there, obviously. Uh, his, you know, brother, uh, you know, the town itself, the way that he interacts with them to like try to grapple for power. Uh, and that also includes Eli, of course, a lot of Eli. Mm-hmm. And then his, his, you know, various adversaries that just kind of pop up and then go away throughout the movie. Oh, there's a lot of That's that. how it keeps it interesting. Yeah. Uh, story-wise. He's so disposable with it. Yeah. And then, but then that same uh, kind of motif is mirrored in the visuals of the movie. Because there was a, there's a great nerd writer video I finally got to watch for the first time because I've seen this movie now where yeah, he talks about right. how there are only 678 shots in the movie. So the average is about 13 seconds per shot. Way above which average. Is cra- yeah, it's yeah. crazy high, especially in the modern day. Um, but the way that they keep it interesting, because in the same way that like DDLs in every shot in, in every scene. So you have to like keep things moving around him. There are only so many shots. So they make a lot of those shots really dynamic. Like they make it so framing will change like three, four times in these shots. And it'll be really you're watching like four impeccable shots mm-hmm. over the course of like 30 especially, seconds. But it's just one shot, especially in the beginning, in the opening act, when there's no dialogue. And you're just focusing on the shots like it. that part hits way, way harder. Yeah, it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, OK, so listeners, this is your final warning. This movie is streaming. I think Netflix is the one place you can stream it right now. Um, but pick up the blue, you know, pick up the blue. Hey, if you if you can get it, pick up the 4K. Oh, okay. Is that what you got? Yeah, let you me, let me tell you, because okay. the, there is there's so much it for a movie. I feel like that's a thing that a uh, a lot of movies in a setting kind of like this that are very barren kind of suffer from is that things kind of just get a little bit stale. And sometimes movies can use that to their benefit. But there's a lot of color in this movie, yeah. especially like the very light brown sands, and then just this tower of oil that is just deep deep black and the close-ups here's the thing guys go out and just buy yourself an oled tv that'll run you about 12 to 1800 dollars did you break it in with this one the The new tv the new tv no i broke it in with silence of the lambs that's right that was i i was like i intentionally was just like i'm gonna watch this movie for the first so check it out on netflix on your phone (laughs) it's called there will be yeah blood. that's actually how you watch it is you and your roommate just huddled in your sweat around yeah. your phone yeah. yeah definitely go for like an iphone 5 preferably <laughs> that's what pta would want try and if you can get out uh, like here's what i recommend is download it to your ipod video mm-hmm. and just watch it that way yeah okay so final chance here if you haven't seen it go check it out spoilers right now 
want to kind of start at the beginning and we can kind of go in order of everything that happens in the movie. So we open with this, the, the same font that we see in the poster, just this perfectly old timey font that kind of emo. Yeah. And, and it's the same font that we see throughout <laughs> the movie with the years. Mm-hmm. It's like that type of shit. I, I just fucking love PTA for that shit. And like, thank you for picking the perfect fucking font, dude. <laughs> That's such a thing for you, but it also works so well. It's so when, sophisticated. Whenever you see DDL sign Daniel Plainview, it's the same kind of handwriting uh, as that style of font. It's so immersive. I, I do. Do you think that Daniel Day-Lewis actually signs a signature like that? Yes. Or did he retrain himself to oh, sign no. a new signature well, yeah, because it, of this? His last name is not Plainview, first of all. Well, I... <laughs> Maybe he did change it for the length of the production. He is a method. He, boy. No, he, yeah, he is a fucking freak. The level of commitment with him is not like he was in like Ireland for a year just preparing for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and They're just digging it holes. shows every the intensity in every single moment is just it. You know, it's like as like I said, with the movie in general, this is as good as acting gets. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, the the the, nature of it, you can disagree with it's, you know, whether or not it works for you, but it is objectively as good as it could possibly be. Just that opening 15 minutes with no dialogue is just so phenomenal because you're just watching this guy work. That's all you're doing. Like, and then with we haven't even mentioned it yet. Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, I was going to say, we, I don't score. know. I don't know how we didn't mention it before we got to the spoilers, but this is one of the best scores you're I've just, ever heard in my life. You're watching this guy just like dig for for oil. I mean, well, he's digging. He's not digging for oil. He's digging for like gold and silver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he finds a piece of like hardened oil. Right. Because at this point, at the end of the it's 1900s, early days. it's also I mean, it is based on a book. So he does have that uh, PTA does have that going for him. But like. This it's everything about this is so set in a time by the end of the 1900s, gold and silver, either they were kind of all farmed out or that was kind of the older thing. There's so much in the marketplace that that the price had kind of become diluted and oil was the new gold. Mm -hmm. And that's the world we live in now. Well, actually, now data is the new oil, but. That's a different podcast. Yeah. How, how about how about one of these a movie where like Daniel Plainview is like a Bitcoin guy? You know, is that, is that a he sketch? falls is down that, a is hole? That, is that there? There will be <laughs> that's DDL on SNL. What? <laughs> Just absolutely furious with their process D- the whole time. DDL. There on, will be code. <laughs> DDL on SNL coming to the Peacock to the cock next year. <laughs> that would suck. Um. So. Yeah, so this opening chunk with no dialogue, he's out there with his bare fucking hands, nearly killing himself. He fucking falls. And, you know, watching this on a rewatch, it's perfect because, like, the limp that he has the whole movie, it's, like, right there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's set up. And the, the notion of him building this empire with his bare hands. From zero Almost on accident, essentially. Exactly. It's all set up there. Like the quote unquote American dream Mm. that's sold to everybody is this just horrible man. Yeah. That is doing it on his own. Yeah. And yeah, it's the, the movie makes a good point delineating between like 
the the idea coming from inspiration versus just necessity like this is a man who is desperate to make money but on the rewatch knowing where we end watching this opening chunk it is so so perfect because it's so intentional what he what, what the the story that's being told here was the, the message that's getting across that like just because this guy is building a massive oil empire from nothing doesn't mean he is remotely close to being a good person. So I I was thinking, and this is something that I've still kind of grappled with even after seeing this movie so many times. So do we think that, because here, well, I'll, I'll just kind of pitch you guys my read on the movie and you can tell me what you think about that, about it. But I think that Daniel Plainview was born a person. He was born almost like a robot. He was per- born a person with very, very little humanity. Yeah. And this movie spins the course of the two and a half plus hours just like slowly chipping oh, away yeah. at the little bit of humanity he has. And honestly, like, again, on the rewatch, that shit is chipped away sooner than you think. Well, because yeah, it doesn't take to the end. Yeah, because the tiny bit that he has is his son who's not his son. That is that is what keeps him tethered to humanity, whether or not his intentions with having that kid are pure because they're not. Obviously, it was for his own advantage. But his relationship with the son is real in many moments of the movie. And he's kind of stuck with him because, you know, he's he's digging the hole. He fucks up his leg. He sells the silver and then they find the oil. They're 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 pumping the oil, which, by the way, there's a shot where there's oil on the camera lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just stood up and fucking clapped. <laughs> yeah, you're just like <laughs> PTA was willing to just destroy a camera forever <laughs> to get that shot. So then his friend dies Mm. and now he's stuck with the baby so now you got baby and oil business Mm, and now you gotta make baby help with oil business so the reason why i wanted to bring that before is because i mean it's very clear that daniel plainview will use literally anyone to get an advantage to have some kind of a gain up on something so he can improve his own standing but there is still enough room for empathy towards Daniel Plainview. And I think that's one of the things that works is that you aren't completely out and you don't think he's a villain immediately. Like there is still this weird moral code that he works on. Like, I think that one thing I didn't pick on until like the second or third watch through is that it's implied that Daniel Plainview was like abused as a child. Like when we have the whole scenes where HW comes on and he's just like they say uh, he's just like Mary Sunday says that her dad beats her if she doesn't pray and stuff like that. We don't see the scene of the interaction between Daniel and the father. We just see the moment afterwards where he's just like your father doesn't beat you anymore, does he? While he's sitting right next to yes. her. Yes. Like that and even when It's a power move. Even when HW does all this crazy shit when hw burns down their house he never hits him even when hw is fucking swinging on ddl he never actually hits him Mm -hmm. like that it's just kind of this like one like like there's a couple of little tidbits in him where you know that he is still somewhat grounded to this world yeah that that thread is very much there that he was like heavily abused as a child also just generally the concept that life was inherently awful back then. (laughs) Like it was just bad to be like, be alive. Like it wasn't like a unique experience to him to being like beat. Like it was every child, everything was shit. 
I like the last three days, my brain has not been functioning just because it's been like 90 degrees inside my house. (laughs) I have been angry and like not like sleeping all the time. Like, and that's just how it was. You just had to deal. Uh, and you died when you were 30. And if you broke a leg, you just limped around like it, it, it's because I didn't watch the movie empathizing with his character at right. all. Like I saw that there was an amount of morals to him, but I never once thought he was even a little bit good. This is a bad man. Um, and, and I mean, he says that's very specifically later on in the movie. Yeah. When he says, I, I hate most people uh, yeah. whenever i see most people i think that there's nothing to like about yeah you. so yeah ddl absolutely magnificent i i i think that the moment where he actually starts speaking which is like 14 and a half minutes yeah, into the movie uh, i just like it, it, please just explain all of the oil business to me just give me all of that in that character and that voice just give it all to me it's so yeah. perfect and again the limp the limp is perfect. Like nobody has limped like that mm-hmm. in any movie Would you ever. Would be surprised if Daniel Day-Lewis was like, yeah, I intentionally broke my leg in order to <laughs> yeah, really get that like, down and just let it fuse wrong. It's like I've never seen anything like it. It's just incredible. Yeah. The, the voice I also really like because it's not like like I said, PTA was sending him like any, you know, uh, scrap he could find of audio from the time. But um, DDL ended up basing that voice primarily off of director John Huston. Uh, Interesting. Who directed PTA's favorite movie ever, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, which has a lot of similarities to this movie, actually. Wow. But that is also why no one else in the movie sounds like that. <laughs> Because it's not like a period specific or like location specific voice. It's just a voice that he went with uh, and it works so well for that character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because because it's not like quite a southern accent. Like he's not putting any kind of like profound accent on it. It's just it's the cadence with which he speaks. That's why we're trying to do impersonations of uh, Daniel Plainview and our impersonations were very bad. When I try and do an impersonation of Daniel Plainview, just talking, not screaming, it sounds like a bad Obama impersonation. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for visiting. I'm an oil man. This is, that was better. This is my son, HW. That's okay. (laughs) I'm in the oil business. Let me be clear. As you you can see, I'm a family man. He, it's just like so I work side by side with my wonderful son oh my H.W. That's, no, we have to. You have to. It's it's like heavy. It's, it's really hard to nail. Mine is good, but I'm not even going to do it. It's just it's heavy enunciation, and not in the vein of like cartoonishness that Anthony Hopkins was in in Silence of the Lambs, but it is like a, a relative of that. Um, he's so good, dude. It's, yeah, it's just lovely. His. The, he's having business meetings with his nine-year-old son. Mm-hmm. He's like very like explicitly telling him the plan to expand to the ocean. Well, I mean, the and he, he tells him even and before the, is like, he yes. tells his son, like, we're going to swindle these people. He's just like, oh, yeah, we're going to go prices. here. He's just like, he's just like, uh, what are you going to do? HW says, and he's just like, well, not going to give him oil prices. I'm not give him quail prices. And it's like you're talking to this child like he is your business partner. But that's because everything Daniel Plainview does is transactional. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the way that his mind works. Yeah. 
he uh i also like i was you know trying to predict ahead in the movie because i obviously know he is going to abandon his boy yeah. <laughs> i'm thinking that it's, it's going to be because his boy doesn't have that killer instinct because the boy never shows a proclivity for that even when you know when he tells him we're giving them quail prices he his eyebrows raise a little bit like mm-hmm. he is not he's not being like cool yeah, but he's also not being explicitly against it. Well, he also he was also listening to the first Paul Dano brother, and he knows that like this is his family's ranch that he just told them yeah. about. Well, that's why I was thinking that because he does seem like a good kid, uh, but he never veers too far in that direction. He just goes dead. HW might be like the most pure soul in the entire movie, <laughs> like the most genuinely good person. But I think that so. Getting into it about them arriving to the Sunday ranch and back to Paul Dano, I think that my kind of read on this movie after seeing it so many times is that the reason why PTA made the decision to cast Paul Dano, aside from the whole um, issues behind the other actors not really being able to counteract with DDL, um, is that... I think that the hatred that DDL has towards Paul Dano is established in that first scene. And that moment when Eli first introduces himself to the group and he kind of gives his son like a little side eye, like it's kind of one of those things like, you see what he's doing? He's trying to play us right now. Like it's one of the, cause he, he thinks that every other person thinks like him. Like that is that's kind of what makes him a genius in a way, but like an evil genius Mm -hmm. is that he thinks that every other person is as broken as he is. And I think that that informs so much of just kind of the hatred and the genuine like lack of respect that he has for Eli as a person, because he just thinks like you founded this all out of like out of a lie, out of some kind of way to advantage yourself. Yeah, and th- and this was more so the the scene in the Sunday house when they're kind of debating the prices. Yeah, and of the, and what the they're going to absolutely sell it. thrown out the window by Eli. <laughs> He's like, "Listen, Dad, I'm going to handle this one." Yeah, That's and the other reason I yeah, dude, Abel Paul. Abel just gets fucking ran over like in this movie. Yeah, especially later on when yeah. Eli fucking pounces and beats the shit yeah. out of him. I was like, oh, my and, well, God. Even in that scene, I could have sworn that Eli and Paul were the same people. I just thought that Eli was fucking insane. Yeah, <laughs> but no, but Eli, Eli knows right away that there's oil there mm. and he's not going to fall for the fucking quail yeah. shit. Yeah, but it's that kind of thing, because the first time that he is introduced to Eli Eli is asking about the money and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And whenever we first meet Paul, Paul asks him, what kind of church, what church do you belong to? So it ties these characters in your mind together where you are kind of playing this oh, game of like, are yeah, they the same person mm-hmm. or are like they both have interests that are similar with one another? What's the hypocrisy of it? You know, that's that's the the, the biggest thing about having religion be such a, an integral part of this story is that it's not showing the 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 priest the the Eli character as being like a truly like Christian man no. he's just as obsessed yeah. with power 
as plain view is mm-hmm. plain view is just fucking calling it like it is and yeah. doesn't try to obscure it with religion and yeah mm-hmm. and eli is obtaining his power in a way that doesn't give him money unfortunately which is you know how, <laughs> w- ends, why we end where we end. it ends where it ends yeah let's yeah let's let's try to race to um, that because i well, there's so much there so before we i mean we talked about in the pre-spoilers time but the best stretch of this movie, in my opinion, is kind of at the hourish mark where we have them finally get to the oil. But before that, the natural gas, which is this huge explosion that concusses. Well, first earth. of all, first of all, hold on. So he asks Plainview to give a blessing at the well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. This is what I love about revisiting this This, movie. Yeah, that rocked. Mm -hmm. Because knowing what happens and you see this scene where he asks Plainview to give a blessing at the well, you're like, motherfucker. Yeah. Motherfucker, here we go. And then he doesn't do it. He just grabs little Mary Sunday and he says, yada, 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 Jesus, Jesus, well, Jesus, let's turn this shit on. It's like shoving his nose in it. He's just like, I'm going to grab your your little do- your little sister and bring her up instead of you and you don't get a fucking word yeah. in. Because that's how much Eli just, or that's how much Daniel just does not respect Eli mm-hmm. as a person. That he's just like, he's fuck so- you, fuck religion. I'm just going to bring this person up here. And then it leads to he this He sniffs whole- the bullshit off of him. Yeah, yeah but he then- knows. And it leads to this whole kind of... It's a power struggle. Yeah, this two side power struggle where Daniel blames Eli for like the sermons and the Sunday services leading to the lack of rest for the workers, which is leading to these accidents happening. And Eli is blaming the death of the workers. And so there's one accident. H.W. losing his hearing on not blessing the well. Exactly. So there's one accident first that happens like literally that night, the first night that the well is is on. And it's the guy that gets fucking like hit by the. That's one of the, the worst pipe. ways to die. Oh like, God, if I think about one of the worst, it would just be sitting it's in like so a tub visceral. of oil and mud and then just like being bludgeoned yeah. and having to have my body fished out. Yeah, no, they they like they're like shaking like a passed out drunk plain view like, hey, we lost the guy down the well. He's getting <laughs> fished out right now. And uh, then, yeah, then right after that, H.W. gets uh, deaf from the big boom. Mm -hmm. And that is just like so perfectly set up by him not choosing to do the blessing because now everything is different with the relationship with his son. And it also speaking toward these shifting relationships, it also perfectly coincides with him meeting who he thinks is his brother. Uh, which therefore gives him a perfect replacement for his yes. son in these meetings. One out, he's a family man. Yeah, yeah. Um, because his brother comes across as similarly innocent, even though he's not a child. Played so, very well by I think Kevin O'Connor is the guy's name. He's very good. Um, I liked him. So before before we get to that stretch, I just wanted to mention the uh, the get out of here ghost scene which we see dano just kind of going off doing his thing like that and he has that one take is just so of from daniel walking into the church and then just seeing dano just lose his goddamn mind yeah all all i could think about was nathan for you Mm. the ghost realtor (laughs) 
Yeah, very much. That's that's all I can yeah. think about. <laughs> he also he, Daniel, get out of your demon. <laughs> get out. Daniel had to, or uh, Dano had to fully commit because he does not have the aura and like the voice and the appearance of the typical person you would put in a charismatic pastor role because he's not charismatic in any way he looks like an incel um (laughs) and his voice is like very grating to the ears especially when he gets highlights like "Ah, get out like so all he is selling it so goddamn hard and it rocks so much and i and you know the moment afterward obviously where like Daniel's like, well, it was a hell of a fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that's- yeah. Dude, I that was so good because that's how you know what PTA is thinking about all this shit. And that's how you know, like, what the purpose of this character is in the story. When Plainview voices that, you understand that it's all a sham. It's mm. all a sham. And, it, and it, he's calling it like it is. Mm. You know, these big... what we now know is like televangelist types that just like completely forget why religion even exists in the first place and why people even feel the need to connect to a higher power and are just like using it to build this like showmanship shit and and just prey on like the the needs of the needy yeah disgusting I mean, I, you, you one of the things i was gonna say at the whenever we got to the ending was because <laughs> eli's just like i got a job in radio and i was like <laughs> man in 2020 you'd just be like i got a job on the on the christian tv channel yeah. i'm not a televangelist and i have a hundred thousand mask deniers in my audience yes. every week. i also like that he didn't become successful because there are people way better at doing that yeah you know? i've fallen on hard times the lord works in mysterious ways yeah so that all that all rocks so okay so the next bit is uh the well burns which they they fucking burned that shit for real yeah like that looked amazing so that is that is the moment when Daniel like really kind of takes a turn as a character that you already kind of view him as somebody who looks at people as pawns. But after this, this is a point in which his son has suffered this traumatic injury. He has to abandon him for the, he for the makes, first time. But and he makes the decision like this well is still going to burn. They got to go get fucking dynamite from the town. He could have stayed here with his son. And instead he goes out to just like watch the well mm-hmm. and we're fucking, sitting on top of an ocean of oil. Um, What was the name of the, uh, the guy? Um, Steppenwolf from justice. Yeah. League? Fletcher. Um, Syrian Hines. Hines. Um, he like goes out there and Daniel's just like, what's wrong? We're sitting on an ocean of oil. Well, it's and he's just like, is your son going to be okay? Is HW going to be okay? He's just like, no, no. Yeah, he's, he's in the mess. No. He just says no. And he's just like, uh, where is he? He's like, he's in the mess hall. He just sits out there just staring at it. Just like, yeah, that kind looking of, at the money and the power that he will possess. It, it kind of, that's another kind of breaking bad style parallel where like if you were too stupid to realize that he was evil up to this point this should fucking tell you yeah. hopefully like when walter like poisons brock mm-hmm. or whatever it's like okay you fucking dummies you <laughs> don't this is a bad guy and we're, we still have like an hour and a half left in the movie at this point yeah and and we're yeah so the well burns then um henry comes into the picture so 
just like you said, like the, the transactional quality of the relationships is really interesting here because again, like we just said, like he hates people. He admits it to his quote unquote brother, uh, half brother or, or whatever, which ends up not being true at all. Um, but this stretch of the movie for me, even on a rewatch is like the most like oblique for me. It, I almost feel the need to kind of go back and revisit this stretch of the movie and like really pay attention to what's happening at, at the beach. Like what's going on there? Like what's the significance of that? It's the, the, the part of the movie that's like the most unclear for I, well, I think in terms of pacing, you may feel more negatively about that entire uh, area because it does feel like a sort of side quest. Yeah. Like it, you know, it feels, I mean, the killing is great. Yeah. It feels intense. It feels more like an episode of something than like a part of a film, but that didn't bug me at all because we did, first of all, uh, he functions as the, uh, lever that allows us to learn about Daniel's character. Yeah. Like the very background. significantly, like the night he meets him, he opens up in a way that we have not seen him open up to anybody. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, so I think that that I really love that stretch because one what you just said, Drew, and also we were talking about earlier about how you can kind of see how he does not see people. He sees pawns yeah. in his game that he can use. And he figures his son is now like a piece that Disposable. he is now. He is now a pawn that has been knocked off the board. Now I have to bring this next piece up yeah. to I just replace him. Competition in me. <laughs> what really works about that is that HW sees the journal. HW knows that this guy is full of shit. And if you see like the, the oil trails leading to Henry's bed, it's not leaning when he he's starts not, the yeah, fire. He's not trying to kill his father. Yeah. That scene. It's he's still, his bag specifically. Yeah. He's trying to like kill this like bad entity in the house and intruder. I think that Daniel always kind of knows that this guy is full of shit. But he sees he, the worth on the board. Exactly. He sees and he's just like, well, the cost value of this guy <laughs> is like like he is literally he's just thinking like if you're just doing like a GM and 2K or yeah, something. He's like, I got to get like, rid of this fucking kid. He's just like, I need to think of the cost value of this that I can. Yeah. My son is now deaf. I have to think on the fly here. I now have this person who claims to be my brother. I don't think that he is, but he knows enough about my family and my name that I can use him in this game. And it all works for him until he starts asking Daniel for money. Mm-hmm. And that's when the shift happens. And that's when he realizes isn't maybe this moment, isn't worth the cost. No, see, isn't I, there a moment where like Henry's like completely trashed off his ass? Yeah. And he's yeah, asking. No, it's right before. Yeah. it's a, He's asking for money for like a hooker or something. Yes, exactly. Like yeah, exactly. I, I think that he did really think it was his brother. I think, you know, he could have looked further into it. But uh, I think the reveal that he truly believed was, well, A, he does open up to him, which is extremely rare for him but then at the beach uh that the whole point of that scene was that is when he realizes that it's not his brother because he brings up a specific he's like oh maybe we could bring him we could bring him to the peach tree dance and then like there's no reaction yeah, yeah. he looks at him like huh, yeah, yeah well, and, and he's like oh and he and then yeah. that's when we zoom but, out and you notice that the brother's wearing all black at the beach like with a shirt on you're like the, oh this man's evil the key thing about that scene for me is Going all the way back to your point about this movie not being for everybody, that scene only hits if you're fully committed to this story. Because, it, again, 
the point about PTA being very like arms uh, length away with his storytelling, a moment like that in another movie is extremely telegraphed and set up yes. and like over communicated yeah, how big of a deal yeah, that is. Yeah, you're right that it would have been like a, a first act callback thing. Yeah. But in this movie, it's like you, if you're not in on this and you're just kind of like halfway watching, you're going to completely miss the significance of that moment. So that's kind of like my point about that, that stretch being like the most oblique because it ends up like not really it's it's significant to understand like the backstory for Plainview, but it doesn't really amount to much given what happens at the end of the movie. So I just I think that the reason why I think that he might know that this or at least he is highly, highly skeptical about this person being his brother is that everything that they talk about is kind of broad family dynamics yeah. like he's kind of feeling him out whenever he whenever henry asks him like what happened to your wife he just kind of moves right past it he's just like i don't want to talk about that whenever uh henry asks him another question he's just like i don't like to explain myself he's not really opening up about anything deeply mm-hmm. personal he's just giving very broad things and i think that he's just throwing out feelers to just see like does this person know enough like kind of just slowly moving these things out because also the other thing about daniel is that uh he's a fucking drunk yeah too um he's trashed like almost the entire movie but he's like the most um perceptive drunk that's ever been depicted it does get worse as the movie goes yeah, on yeah yeah, yeah he's that, he's but. gross i mean because we have time jumps too so yeah. it's like you assume that like the alcoholism just worsens but another um another fun pta thing is during the edit for this movie it was like one night a week like every wednesday night or something they would all like everyone involved would eat just steak flat for dinner and drink only vodka and eat nice. to get in the mindset <laughs> that's feel great. the vibe Oh, man, man, what a guy. I want to work on a PTA movie. It sounds like a fucking party. So you're you're talking about like while they were shooting, right? During the edit. Oh, the edit. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So uh, he kills Henry. Mm-hmm. Great scene. Yeah. Really great scene. Very intense. Very visceral. Because, uh, you know, he hasn't killed anybody up until this mm-hmm. point. But we know how evil he is. That's like the only sin that he actually hasn't committed. Yeah. And it's just like, it lands super well. Um, And then the next little piece, I think that I just appreciated like how you don't need to really understand the intricacies of like the oil business in the movie. Cause like it kind of comes in and out throughout, but you, it doesn't rely on you like understanding the specifics of what's happening with like the you the, mean like standard oil and union Pacific, yeah like, stuff like you that. can miss like the what's going on there and still like fully enjoy yeah, the movie I, that's for example i think that this handles that like specifics of a business better than like the irishman does where like it gets mm-hmm. really deep into specifics when it doesn't you need don't need to. to yeah you don't really feel lost you feel like maybe you're missing a couple things but you're you're still with it. But it's not, I mean, it's like still kind of the things, the only things that you need to really take away from that is just like, it's cheaper to do this on my own. Right. Cause that's the whole thing. It's just like, well, the shipping costs, are you mm-hmm. going to lower the shipping costs? You got to tell me well, that you don't and also it, it's too. 
it's also a character struggle, like the whole idea of him selling to them. It's not just a logistical issue. It's he doesn't know what he's going to do if he's not <laughs> running all this shit. He literally yeah. says that. Well, yeah. that's Daniel is more. That's kind of, I mean, it gets more into the third act of this movie is that he's not a person. He's not a capitalist in the way that he's obsessed with wealth and profit. He's a capitalist in the way that he's obsessed with power. He could easily make. A million dollars back in 1901. I have no idea what that costs now. I'm assuming like $50 million ish, 30 of 50, something like that. Mm. Um, I mean, they're selling the land for like five grand, yeah, 10 grand. He could have, but I mean, Union Oil, Union or Standard Oil offer just like give him a check and just be like, you're done. You can retire for the rest of your life. You and your child will be good. Don't tell me how to raise my son. And <laughs> the thing is that he's just like, what will I do? What will I do with myself then? If I just uh, yeah, the dude's like, I don't know. Your son's fucking deaf. Yeah, like <laughs> take care of with that. He's like, what'd you fucking say to me, bro? <laughs> Which over leads, there? He's leads like, cool. To- I'm gonna go uh, slit your fucking throat. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna slit your throat while you sleep. And he's just like, what'd you say? Yeah, the guy's like, huh? <laughs> I'm having a steak at noon with whiskey. That um, with that milk. That other guy who did a really good job in that scene, by the way, the guy that he's like negotiating with. He he had a great quote about like because they they shot that sequence over a whole day, that argument. And once they were done, apparently he stood up and he said, I feel like I just went 10 rounds with Federer because it literally like it felt like a sport. Like it was like it was just so (laughs) like that's great. Yeah, it was just so unbelievably uh, tense and competitive. I think that that is um, H.M. Tilford, Uh, David uh washorfsky yes I don't that know. is his yeah name. david washorfsky no. a lot of comedy guys in here hey, yeah, we paul, have, paul, paul tompkins he has, he's like in but, one shot no but there's a lot of like extras that are comedy guys because i mean you know of course he's married to maya rudolph mm-hmm. like some like either people who had very short stints on snl or just people who maya rudolph was friends with yeah i mean we have the absolute fucking legend jim downey yeah, playing jim a, downey. a pretty outsized role he's playing the land proprietor guy like the, the land contractor who's trying to help him buy all the land that's like one of the media like the fifth biggest role in the movie probably uh that dude wrote for some of the biggest snl sketches ever for like 20 years and then he was also he gives that really funny speech in billy madison you know where he's yeah. like everyone in this room is dumber for having oh, listened yeah. to you is that guy <laughs> fucking okay. legend i love jim downey mm-hmm. so right before we get to the ending we have the i've abandoned my child i've abandoned my boy that scene where he i've go- abandoned my child oh yes give me the blood <laughs> give me the blood <laughs> give me give me the blood lord <laughs> Lord, give me the blood. It's so good. It's so dude. funny. Dude, it's so good because like the power dynamics are flipped here, right? We have plain view on his knees. Yeah, and eating we, shit. And we have Dano like just towering above yeah, him. We, well, we skipped over the scene because uh, <laughs> about how of uh, uh, Daniel Plainview just beating the shit the out of Eli. Out of just just slapping around his throat, throat right. mud in his face. That's right. And then like this is... Eli getting back at him and slapping him to get the fucking next. Dude. He wasn't slapping that old woman to get the, her arthritis <laughs> away from her, but he's like, I have to beat the I mean, shit that's the humor, too, of PTA. Like, he yeah, well, is having also, fun with it. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it, it is a comedic reveal in the first place that that old man's church is Paul Dano. Yeah. 
like he's like oh uh jesus already told me what to do you got to come to my church and like eat shit oh when when he wakes mm-hmm. up after yeah. killing his brother yeah exactly That's right. and then like hard cut to them in the church with paul dano yeah. that is a comedy uh, yeah. move that you know that's a chess move of comedy Oh, I yeah. love, love it. And but then, even better is that you see Daniel Day-Lewis and you're like, he is finally like, he is finally in the other position. He is down. And then as he like gets the war through him, he says, there's the pipe. There's the pipeline. Like oof. that he just, he could have just spent an extra couple grand, just gone right around this property that he didn't own. But he was like, no. I have to. This is my land. Yeah, I will do whatever it takes because this is drainage. <laughs> so, uh, another great part about that scene is the fucking vein on his forehead. Oh, I was gonna mention the veins. Like you can mention them in every scene in this movie. I've abandoned my child. That's unteachable. <laughs> like you cannot do. Yeah. I've abandoned my boy. It's just yeah. It's full body like giant head commitment. Like it's, that. It's I, I. My mouth was just a gape because I was like, oh, I almost forgot for a minute that I'm watching like literally one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it's not so. No, I mean, you get completely drawn in. I didn't want to bring this up earlier. Do you think that Robert Pattinson should give credit to Daniel Day Lewis for bringing back the mustache with heavy stubble look? That Robert Pattinson has now really like maximized on. I was going to say generally Robert Pattinson looks like Daniel Day Lewis. He does. They both have the giant, giant actor head where it's not like a strong jaw in the way of like an athlete. It is just a massive outwardly shaped head. Like it's both English. It's as big as heads Mm -hmm. get. (laughs) And that allows them to do so much uh, visual acting with their face. And it's just inherent. You like you can't teach it. And so, they also have. Yeah, they have that Victorian nose as yeah. well. That British nose. One again on the rewatch. One of the greatest things about this fucking movie. It's so good. <laughs> I've abandoned my child. I've abandoned my boy. S- just links directly. <laughs> links directly to I'm a false prophet. God is a superstition. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. again. Oh, my God. God, it's so well, good, it's dude. I can't, I don't say even it again. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. There's it's a so whole congregation good. behind me. Yeah. Picture, if you will. Um, yeah, that I mean it's, it's incredible. It, it, before that, though, there is the HW bit with adult HW. Any yeah. thoughts on that? Uh well, played by real life deaf guy. Respect. Good. Yeah, real life. Yeah, honestly, shout out to PTA for doing that. Um, because you can't really teach that i mean not to like this isn't meant in any kind of a negative way but kind of the way that deaf people actually talk is something that isn't really teachable like that is something and even just like his signage was something from a person not an actor who learned to sign uh three weeks before shoot it's Mm -hmm. something that you have from years and years and years and decades of signing that was yeah that was very good uh him marrying mary sunday too yeah um also i did want to shout before when uh the sun comes back we mentioned the steak scene but like the hug that he runs up and gives to his father is like so hollow like any kind of heart that was there in the beginning of the movie is just completely stripped away and there's a flashback that happens at the end of the movie where you see them kind of playing around with each other with the hat and everything Mm -hmm. 
And just that life is completely gone because yeah. he's just like, well, I killed my brother. I still have to be a quote unquote family man. So he tells H.W. that he's adopted uh, or just an an orphan. Bastard in a basket. <laughs> You're orphan. You're worse than a bastard. You ever heard that word? Before? Bastard in a basket. <laughs> That's underrated uh, meme moment there. It's yeah. just repeat. Bastard in a basket. Bastard. <laughs> like over and over. You have none of me in you. Just a bastard in a basket. Yeah. Uh, love, yeah, lovely writing that, like the son saying, like I thank God I don't have any of yeah. you. You Just, fucking that freak. whole house. It's looks really, great it's too. so heartbreaking. Yeah. That scene like that is like genuine. Like I've seen this movie so many times, and it still just like chokes me. It, like just seeing that, like. God, like I just the darkness feel for H W so much. Like that. That's how just evil yeah. plain view is. Yeah. I I did mention HW is the most pure soul. I think that actually uh Mary Sunday is the most pure soul in the entire movie. Yeah. I mean her name's literally Mary Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Like No, she's just she's just a genuinely good person. She just like, well I like, her like I like the, I like this boy. He became deaf, but that isn't gonna stop me. I'll like just watch people teaching him how to sign and then I'll learn how to sign with him and we'll get married together. Um Another bit about this end, because uh, the character Daniel Plainview is largely based on this oil guy in real life named Edward Doheny. Uh, the house itself isn't uh, Doheny's house, but the bowling alley scene was shot in a mansion that Doheny built on his oil money. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, that's my cool. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He Yeah. He built it for his only son. For th- this point to the end is some of the greatest shit I have ever seen in any movie fucking ever. It is just unbelievable. He, I mean, electric. He ends every movie incredibly. Like they all, they all end and you're like, it's over. But then (laughs) you're like, yeah, it's over. (laughs) You're like, oh, that was the best ending that you Yeah, And he takes his time with it too. It's like you still, but when, when, when Eli shows up, there's still like 20 minutes left. So I no, I watched this movie. I like paused it real quick because I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, shit. I would like went up to go grab a drink and I was just like, oh, well, this is the end of the movie. I paused it real quick. I was like, wait, there's still 22 minutes yeah. left in the movie. What? It's this is the last scene. Very deliberate. And it's just you're soaking every fucking beat, every moment. These two guys, you've seen them go toe to toe together. You've mm-hmm. seen them have different levels of this power struggle. And here it is all coming yeah. to a head the veins are out of control because <laughs> he's so absolutely trashed uh, yeah i mean how it starts with him just complete just passed out on the lane yeah the and house is on fire daniel plain views <laughs> like, i'm your brother daniel he's just like yes i know i know but that's okay so that's another thing that i wanted to bring up in this movie is kind of how he how daniel Plainview uses these kind of familial through lines to some sort of advantage for himself. I mean, there is this, of course, this competitive edge that he is always looking, but he's always looking to use some member of his family to some advantage, whether that be his son, his brother, or now his brother-in-law. And he now realizes once Eli is completely broken and he said that God is a superstition, I am a false prophet, all that stuff. He's just like, I have broken this person. You are nothing to me. You are lower than fucking dirt and I will kill you to put you out of your fucking misery. That's the point that this movie gets to. Yeah, but there's a dance through it all, right? Because 
Eli thinks he's coming from a place of uh, kind of higher standing. You know, things mm-hmm. are good. Everything is good. And, you know, Daniel, he knows that's not true, mm-hmm. but he has to like he can't come at that right out of the yeah, gate. And he has to kind of knock it down yeah, he, from behind. He plays with it and that he's just like like he lets Eli do his whole spiel. He lets him say, like, you have this property, you can you can buy yeah. this up. Cause then he's just like, Oh, you're here for money. Mm-hmm. That's what you're here. That's your motivation here, is that you are here for money. I'm gonna make you say that you are a false yeah. prophet. And he's like just chowing down on the steak the whole time. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. He's with his fucking hands. Yeah. And that that's when he's like. Like that after the whole God, uh, I'm a false prophet. God is a superstition, which is just the oil's incredible. gone. Yeah. He's like, uh, it's, it's already been drained. He's just like, I've already had your oil. Drink yeah. his milkshake. He drinks the man's milkshake. Then that goes directly into the milkshake. Which- if you have a milkshake <laughs> and I have a milkshake and I have a straw that stretches way. Watch it. Watch it. Here it is. <laughs> and I put my straw in your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. I drink it up. Mm. Drainage. <laughs> Rocks. Um, that made me want to. It's just legendary. That made me want to. That made me want to see what if Al Pacino played that. <laughs> you know. Um, I honestly don't think it would be as good. That's shocking. I can't believe you would say that he wouldn't. He wouldn't Dude, do the best performance it, it, ever. DDL is just like it's the best acting well, ever done. Of course, he wouldn't be as good. There's no one else could do this shit, man. It's incredible. This uh, monologue is taken largely f- straight from congressional uh, transcripts of a big oil trial. Whoa, an, man, yeah. you're just dropping nuggets. Thanks Damn, you do research. An an oil, yeah, some oil well, tycoon was on trial, and on he literally book? made of uh, the milkshake metaphor. He said almost verbatim that, and then obviously PTA kind of played with it. But he, yeah, PTA said that he used it because uh, he used the word milkshake, and I thought it was so great. It was mad to see that word among all this official testimony and terminology. A fucking milkshake. I get so happy every time I hear that word. <laughs> It's so good. It's just everything about that scene is good. Because even before that, he's just like um, he like just before the milkshake thing actually happens. He just has to like put Paul, uh, put Eli in a place that is lower than anything where he's just like, you thought that you were the hero of this story. You thought that you were the hero. But Paul was the chosen son. (laughs) God forsake you, forsook you, and you are just afterbirth, Eli. You oh. are just remnants oh my God. left yeah. behind. Oh. Yeah, it came out of your. Yeah, it was so disgusting it's the way you phrased. So it. Oh fucking gross. Like that, but that's just kind of this whole thing where you're just like you. You thought of yourself like he is such a misguided person. Like at least. Daniel kind of knows that he I feel like Daniel has some kind of awareness to know how broken he is. But the thing with Eli that makes him even more tragic is that he thinks that he is doing wholly 100 percent good things. And I think we've said it, but I think it just needs to be said again. Like Paul Dano, it's such a specific achievement to be able to fill this role without us thinking that he is like so so below the level of Daniel Day-Lewis. No, and he 
Daniel Day-Lewis prepped just for this role for a year. And Paul Dano found out four days before shoot that he had this role. And and it's Wild. like and anybody else in this role, you would just brush him aside as like the shitty other guy that gets killed at the end of the movie. I mean, that's what would have happened had this other guy stayed. Evidently, yeah. Kel O'Neill. But because of this performance, you're so drawn to him. And he is awful and he is terrible and he is like, you know, spineless to a certain degree. But you're still like so enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, amazing. It's just compelling acting and writing, too, of course. Oh, the other uh, great line from Daniel Day-Lewis chasing him around with the bowling pin, just beating this shit up. With the limp, too. With the limping around. I am the third revelation. Uh, I am the third revelation. Just cackling. Like this whole scene. Somebody is being fucking murdered. Fucking hilarious, though. It is so fucking funny. It's unbelievable. I think I feel like the Oscars don't want to give him credit because he is funny. Like PTA. Yeah, he's yeah. almost like in in these incredibly critical moments. He like so often is so flippant. Yeah, I don't think they like. That, well, I man. think I mean I think that that I think you are right. Uh, I was thinking about that this time about how PTA hasn't won an Oscar. I think that maybe part of it is that I just historically the Oscars look at uh, comedies as not true film. Like they look at it as a lesser and there's like, well, he has elements of humor in his movies. So, mm. well, just and just to because there, there are Oscar movies that have elements of humor, but to have a movie end on such an insane note that includes so much comedy where he literally just says, I'm finished and the movie's over. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest. I'm finished. I, 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 I stood just, up and clapped. Yeah, I, just, I was like, I yeah, fucking every love this movie, And then the dude. triumphant oh music comes in. Yeah. Like we just watched like a happy ending to the story. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's unbelievable. It's such a I, I feel like he's too ballsy for the Oscars. He's such a ballsy filmmaker. Mm-hmm. You know, he really, really. He'll get his Oscar on like his like. 13th movie and people are like oh well shit i guess he is like in his 60s i guess it's about <laughs> I would, time i would wager that his next movie might have a good shot because it's about filmmaking and it's the about Bradley it's Cooper. about yeah it's about a child actor i could see it getting love because of that yeah if bradley cooper gets an oscar before paul thomas anderson i'm gonna be so sad man i mean good on bradley you know do your thing but let them let them go up there together. Shit. Let them hold hands. Let them kiss on stage. <laughs> Spread that COVID, baby. Yeah. It's just it's a monumental failure that he has, doesn't have multiple Oscar wins. DDL did get his uh, yeah, he, second and then he got his third for Lincoln. I was this think. only his second? He won for my left foot back in like yep, 1989. That was his first. Then this was his second. And then really? His third there was, was that long of a absence between mm-hmm. oscar damn yeah. he, he was not act that much Jen, no i know, you know but just i mean that's a 1989 to 2007 no is i know huge it's a gap in between oscar wins he, um he, i mean his last film before this was literally gangs of new york which was five years earlier yeah. he just doesn't i mean he retires like after every movie and then comes back yeah and you can see why i wouldn't like <laughs> i would not be able to maintain that level of intensity for more than like an hour imagine, and i do it every week imagine God, being boys. like an imagine being like a 19 year old film student and you're like yeah i'm the next daniel day lewis i only take one movie every five to seven years and i just go all in and there's like cool so you aren't going to work for us yeah because you're nothing 
it, yeah, it's, it's really wild. He's also so it's so fun to watch interviews with him because he's so slight and like spacey, like yeah. so many great uh, artists are like he truly just and, likes the craft. And he kind of talks like this a little bit. Yeah. His yeah, he's just, he's just, just a, a little, nice a little, little British chap. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis might have like the best American accent ever. I, I mean, it's because he does so much, but like he's done so many American accents that are just like, oh, yeah, I just believed you were an American this entire time. Yeah, yeah. And you hear him talk, you're like, wait, what? That's sure right. All right, boys. Well, we did it. There was blood. One more quick thing. Uh, we haven't talked enough about Johnny Greenwood's score. It is. It's it's, it's so fucking good. I don't it's know if it's my scores. favorite of his PTA ones. I think I like the Phantom Thread one uh slightly more than this that's the only other one that i would put in the same echelon with yeah it. um the master's great too but i think i think i put phantom thread then this then was Master. this his first movie score though it was one of his first scores yeah I and think to come be. out of the gates with this score is just like it's so varied too fucking like bananas. it there's so many different sounds in there i mean i think about the um the uh the score the the music that plays during that oil sequence that has this pulsating heartbeat mm-hmm. to it yes but it almost has like an arrhythmia to it yep. like you are just kind of it makes your heart beat faster like your heart starts beating to the rhythm of this music he does that in the master tomb yeah all right well i think that does it for this week with our pta watch we might be back next week with another one uh, maybe we'll do the master, maybe inherent vice. We've been jumping around a lot, so we'll see, but we'll keep it coming. Uh, please rate, review, sus- subscribe, recommend, share. Let us know what you thought of the movie at we bite. We bought a mic at gmail.com and at we bought a mic on Twitter and stay tuned for what's next mm-hmm. and listen to our catch up later this week. Thank you for listening. And uh, one more thing. No. I drink it up. <laughs> what were you doing? Sorry. I thought you were, I th- I th- you were doing a slurping noise. That's why I was just going to. First, I'm way better at slurping than doing what I was doing. We love you. Clarice. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. I have many wells. My name is Daniel Plainview. This is my son, H.W. I think these are both bad, what you're doing. I can't. You're doing Chappelle White voice. No, I can't. No, that's the thing is that oh, whenever I try and do a Daniel Plainview, it just comes out like a bad Obama impersonation. No, it's it's way more theatrical. It Like it has theatrics. To it. Drainage! <laughs> I'm an oil. I've abandoned my boy! I'm an oil man. <laughs> yeah. You'll see that uh, I'm a proprietor (laughs) of sorts. You'll you'll see. You won't find anyone else in the area with the resources that I contain. Yeah, that's that's good. You're 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 money, baby. (laughs) That's so money. money. He doesn't even know it. Money, baby. (laughs) 
Okay. I said that for a while after I watched Swingers, and then I just like kind of <laughs> stopped. Still, it's so <laughs> this guy's so money, he doesn't even know it. I thought about doing that, and so I was like, I don't think that I can just rock that. I don't have the confidence that Vince Vaughn has. Oh, okay.